So here's a fun thing about this movie. I didn't let us see this movie in theaters. Do you remember? Wouldn't let us? Yeah, no, I didn't want to because the concept of being lost in space terrifies me. Is it because you've seen Lost in Space? No, I've never actually seen Lost in Space, <laughs> but like... It's, it's, and it's, I don't understand. It hits me on that same level of drifting off into nothingness. It hits me on that same level as being like stuck inside of a car while it's sinking underwater. You know, like there's a certain level of claustrophobia to being stuck in a space suit and surrounded and not able to do anything about it. You know, being subject entirely to forces outside of yourself. Anyway, let's talk about Corona. Hi, I'm John. I'm Bethany. And this is... Tom Spewing. Yeah, is that what you're you're doing? You're drinking your yerba mate and you're spewing it out? Ooh, that's Mexican, right? No, no. it's Argentinian. Um. Though, one of our favorite Mexican characters in media does in fact <laughs> drink a lot of yerba mate. Who? Yes, uh, our favorite Mexican character, Maestro Diego. What? That's not... De- That's not... What? No. Rodrigo. I think oh, his... Oh, no. I think his maestro was We're Diego. We're forgetting it because it's canceled. Because it, it got canceled. Played by Gael Garcia Bernal, who was in Alfonso Cuaron's first famous movie, Ichimama Tambien, thus bringing it back around to Gravity, which is the movie that we watched this <laughs> week. <laughs> what a movie. It's Mozart in the Jungle, by the way, everyone. Uh... Yeah, it was a great show on Amazon. And Bezos canceled it. I blame Bezos entirely. Yeah, they wanted to be Netflix and produce a bunch of nonsense all the time. You see, the, the issue is... At first, Amazon just saw their streaming strategy as an added value to keep, to keep people subscribing to Prime. But then they were like, you know what? We could make even more money off of this. And, you know... And they, because you'll notice a lot of their early stuff is very prestige kind of stuff, a lot of like awards bait. But now the stuff they're moving into, they're like really going in hard on like producing this Lord of the Rings thing. Oh, God. They're doing that they want to be. We don't need this. And this is the phrase that you're going to hear over and over for the next five to ten years the the new Game Game of of Thrones. Thrones. (laughs) Oh, don't you love. Yikes. Don't you love knowing media strategies? Oh, it's so yikes. Anyway, this is uh, Gravity, which won Corona, I think, his first best director um, Oscar, which makes sense. Maybe it's streaming on Amazon. Is it streaming on Amazon? It's almost certainly not streaming on Amazon. What about the Habo? HBO? Uh-huh. No, it's not. Why not? I, I, okay. Um. Yeah, no, you can rent it for only $3.99 Ooh, on uh, Google Play or Amazon Prime or YouTube. It's worth the oh, watch. Oh, I forgot you can rent things on YouTube. Oh, that's well, weird. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's just because it's owned by Google, you know? It was uh, Aren't we all? 2013. <laughs> he, he co-wrote, co-edited, and directed the movie. Um, it was written by him and his brother, Jonas. Cuaron? Yeah, Jonas Cuaron. J-O-N-A with an accent, S. Oh, like Jonas, but like Jonas. I think it would be pronounced Jonas. I'm... Like, pretty sure. Anyway, not not the point. 
So since you can't stream this everywhere, we'll just recap this real quick before we start talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) The basic concept of this movie, we all saw a lot of trailers for it. The basic concept is that um, Sandra Bullock is, well, she's on her first mission. Actually, mm-hmm. She's the like helper component. She's, she's not like an actual astronaut. Well, she is an astronaut because she's been to space. And yeah, been I see, I see. But she was chosen not, not because she wanted to be an astronaut, but because she had developed this technology that was going to improve the Hubble Space Telescope. This is all sort of slowly trickled out through it because this movie starts very much in media res. Yeah, um, it, it looks like a the, planet Earth, but like in space. Yeah, the, it looks like the satellite shots they use of planet so Earth. So, literally planet Earth. Like, a lot of, it's <laughs> a lot of, um, you know, Corona-esque long takes, a lot of um, so like, moving camera, but... The, how uh, do they get, like, they just use, like, satellite shots, or they have to, like, make it Oh, fake? a lot of it probably would have been visual effects. This, and then they, like, plaster themselves on there, like, like on a green screen kind of deal? Yeah, that kind of thing. So, yes. this whole movie was filmed in a green room? <laughs> well, let me find out. It was filmed digitally on multiple Aria Lux cameras. Yeah, it was filmed at so, Pinewood and Shepard and Studios. Just in the UK. imagine the only the only location scene was the landing scene at the end. Sandy which, and George, which was also where the no, it was in Lake Powell, Arizona, which was also where the astronauts' landing scene and Planet of the Apes was filmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the film contains one hundred and fifty six shots total. With an average what? shot length of 45 seconds. Oh my god, talk about a long take. Yeah, fewer and longer shots than in most films if it's late. Although the first trailer had audible explosions and other sounds, these sounds are silent in the finished film. Caron said they put in explosions in the trailer. As we know, there is no sound in space <gasps> in the film. We don't do that. Oh, he's Which is so, so good. The only time you hear... Okay. Yeah, we did Sandra real bad Bullock, with this. Part, Sandra Bullock and, uh, is is working on the Hubble telescope outside of the space shuttle. It's a newer model shuttle, so it doesn't look like the old space shuttles that we're used to. But um, she is there. George Clooney plays the experienced astronaut who's on his last his last mission, his very last mission before he goes home, and he's very sad about leaving it all up there. He's, he's testing also out... a space cowboy. Yes, he is a space cowboy. He's, he's playing like Hank Williams. It's an important point. detail. It is an important detail. They let him keep his default Kentucky accent, which I respect the movie that lets George Clooney do that. George Clooney is so funny. Is that his, that's not his real accent. Yes. What? George Clooney's a southern boy. Okay, but if I walk up to George Clooney, he's oh, he probably like, won't sound like that. He'll hello, probably, little darling. He'll probably <laughs> sound like Danny Ocean. Who? <laughs> His character from Ocean's oh, Eleven. Oh. <laughs> I forget that the ocean part of it is a name thing and not just like <laughs> ocean. <laughs> you would think that'd be like the name of the casino or something. Not exactly. All right, all right. For so basically, I'll shots. finish. I'll finish this plot description. Yeah. The <laughs> so Russians. The Russians. <laughs> Sent a meteor shower Not of exactly. debris they tried on to, accident. So the Russians are trying to, uh, they have a spy satellite that's falling down, so they decide to test a missile on it. Instead of actually knocking it out of the sky, they just knock it out of their its stable orbit, and it starts picking up speed and knocking out other satellites, and knocking out other satellites, and picking up and going in a debris wave that's orbiting the Earth, and is about to hit every, and uh, ends up hitting their shuttle. And it does a hit. Instantly... 
instantly killing one of the uh, the uh, Indian guy yeah. who was work the Indian engineer. It's who sad, but you kind of don't care that much because well, it's like person you never met. Well, it, you do because you don't. You see him dancing to the music and enjoying himself in space and loving it and everything. And he's he's got a picture of his children in his helmet. Yeah, yeah. Him. Everyone has so children you see, nowadays. Whatever. <laughs> well, it's wild because. <coughs> hmm. Yeah, uninterrupted 13-minute opening scene. What? Yeah, 13 minutes. How? They just did it. They had to... Took many months to design and years to shoot. Oh my god. That's Where the are the awards for Sandy? <laughs> well, it's that would be more of an award for Alphonse. Yeah, Angels Are Hard to Find by Hank Williams Jr. That's... that's Oh, it was Hank Williams Jr. Okay, well, I can't. Oh my goodness. Okay, anyway. <laughs> it's um They commit to the accuracy though, to the accuracy of being in space. Yeah. Like no sound when you're hearing the impacts unless the character is holding on to something that has been impacted and then the waves move through the metal. Yeah, but okay, then, so like, it hits um, the guy. See. It hits the it, it hits him, kills him, hits the uh, let's see, um Sandra Bullock ends up flying off structure. And it's just spinning in space for several minutes. Oh my god. That scene is Probably almost... Probably like miles away. Hundreds of miles away. So really, it doesn't really make sense. Like, anyway. <laughs> well, no, it does because they were already in orbit, so they were already moving. So, uh, so he's George Clooney's still able to use the momentum of the orbit and the jetpack to eventually come and save her. But that's not what's important about that scene. What's important about that scene is the revolving Earth in front of her. Because there's no one... Because, you know, inertia, there's not, nothing dampening in space. There's no air resistance. She just keeps going and going and going. And the camera moves in and out of her suit. So you see her face and you see her perspective and you can hear her breath. And, and that's something that's really cool, too. Unless the camera is itself inside of their suits, the only time you hear them is through their suit radios. And that I love. I love that so much. I love it. And that you see Sandra Bullock, like, so much anxiety. In the, well, because, well, yeah. you know, she's floating off structure in space. It's... But basically, Space Cowboy uses his, like... Jetpack. Jetpack and his intuition and his trusty jet, you know, mm-hmm. skills to make his way back to her somehow magically. Tether, tether himself to her. Yeah. And then head back to the, uh, to the space shuttle and see if there are any survivors. Spoiler! There are no survivors. None at all. Um, the debris crushed the windscreen. Yeah, so they can't even de- use it. Yeah, there was a rapid decompression. Um, there, so the uh, flight crew is dead. The engineer who was outside is dead. Br- quite, br- he got struck in the uh, in the face mask by debris that went right yeah, through his head. He's got killing him instantly. No, ble- no bleeding because it's Mm-mm. in space, so it froze. Like. And that's what's really eerie, too. Anytime you see the dead bodies, they're just frozen in place. Mm-hmm. God, I think... I f- we forgot about the text that opens the film that was like, space is the most inhospitable place for human life. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's one thing about space movies. You can't start a space movie without text. Hey. Thanks, Star Wars. <laughs> no, but it's true. What space movie have you seen that didn't say, like, I don't think in 1969, we invented a I don't think robot that needed to go text. to space? I don't think Interstellar started with text. Well, that's not a space movie. That's a space movie. It's, listen. It's I gonna, guess. It's going to be Space Disaster Part 3, because this is our second Space Disaster movie. 
Isn't that that? That's a Nolan disaster, right? Come on. It's still it's still a space disaster. Gosh, that movie <laughs> is heart-wrenching. But you just hate it because love was the answer the whole time, right? No, they used some bullshit in there. <laughs> it's theoretical physics. Gross, which is already bullshit. <laughs> hmm. A lot, a lot of long takes, a lot of movement through space. Yeah, planet, planet or space edition. It's, let's see, it's hard, because it's hard not to do a plot summary, because a lot of the movie, you know, if it weren't so exciting, it would be almost monotonous, because it's quick, you know? It's like, or not quick, but it's very meditative, even though it's a disaster movie at the same time. Yeah, I honestly felt at peace, like, the whole time. Because, like, you have George Clooney over here who's been to space, like multiple times so he's just like casual but he's like i expected like you think he probably expected to die like the first few times and so at this point he's like well whatever happens happens like <laughs> like stuff just goes wrong exactly and then so then they are like okay well this can't work so we've got to go to the iss and see what we can see if we can take one of the soyuzes home because there were two there are always two soyuz which is the russian rocket um, attached to the ISS for evacuation. The crew would have used one. Unfortunately, when the debris field hit, that Soyuz had ejected its parachute already, so they couldn't use it for re-entry. So where do they go next? Well, they get hit by the debris again. Because it's on a it's timer. Just, well, it's just building... It's in orbit. Yeah, it's in orbit, so it's just building up and it's going... So they literally, like, orbits. set their stopwatch to, like, all right, they basically, in it's, 90 it's, minutes, we're going to get another like one. The, uh, it's kind of like the third episode of Battlestar Galactica, where... Yeah, no one... No one everyone uh, just, People like, who know sci-fi... Scratch their heads and... People who know sci-fi know, in the, thir- in the third episode, which I guess is the first episode of the TV show, the first episode after the miniseries, there's... Uh, the Cylons are jumping and finding the location of the fleet every 33 minutes, no matter what. So they don't have time to sleep. They don't have time to eat. They have to jump every 33 minutes or they'll be... Or so you they'll think that's borrowed? <laughs> what? So that's another common space theme? Uh, a little bit. I mean, it's... A... This feels very Star Trek-y, too. It, it does, actually. <laughs> Because it's about human persistence. Wait, life. no, that's because there was that one episode where they did have to go back in time. A oh, few you're times of, well, in yeah, the they new do one. time loop episodes all the time. <laughs> Star Trek loves a time loop episode. You're thinking of the one in Discovery, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that was a good episode. That was a really their good logo episode. should be a whale. Their logo should be an a orca. Whale? Mm-hmm. Discovery? Yeah. Why? Um. You just like it? I just like. <laughs> Wait, Discovery Cove. That's probably why. Okay. Probably like SeaWorld, but in space. Mm. And with less animal... To- well, actually, there's a decent amount of animal torture in that first Well, just season. think about it. Can whales swim in space? Maybe. There are space whales. Maybe. A lot of different versions. Uh, it a, makes A lot of different sense. sci-fi versions of space have space whales. So it like, makes sense. Star Wars has space whales. Um, Doctor Who has space whales. There were no space whales in this movie. There Sorry. were no space whales in this movie because it was scientifically accurate. Okay, so let's and get back to this movie, I guess. There's not been evidence of space whales so far. All right, all right. Um, okay, okay, so they they're attached. The ISS. They get hit by the debris. Bad news. Clooney gets, Clooney gets far off the tether, and there's no way for her to pull him back without her, him losing herself. Bullock doesn't want to let Clooney go. Clooney says, you have to. It's better for your odds, and untethers himself. Yeah, that was the most heartbreaking movie in this film Moment you can just film, yeah. feel the tension and then he just cuts it 
and then go, and then drifts off. Drifts off. Yeah, and then you know, I think she, he talks. Yeah, he continues through, to do like a story. He continues yeah. to talk to her through the radio until he gets out of range, which is just oh, oh. Which honestly, I feel like that's kind of the way he wanted to go. It almost feels on purpose. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. Actually, he does say that because the entire thing is like. Well, it looks like I'm finally going to break that record. And mine's going to stand for a while. About the spacewalking mm-hmm. record. Yeah. Oh, man. It makes you think he might not have anything to go home to now. Well, you know, he was talking about his ex-wife, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like... He, Ooh, it, those it's, monologues it's really drive the story. It's interesting when you think about it. Because he's he really represents that, like, old school kind of astronaut. You know, mm-hmm. the one who was all about... that, Who, who kind of does, like, the... Not to be all Marvel about this, but embodies that Captain Marvel higher, further, faster, more kind of thing. The entire thing about being the first and the well, best. Well, also, the old school, yeah. We want to get there first, but it was also more exploration-driven. Yeah. Like, right now, we're like, how do we get ourselves on Mars and live there? Rather yeah. than, oh, I wonder what's on Mars, because we didn't mm-hmm. know it was there. Space is entirely a scientific pursuit right now. Like, it's entirely like... Well, it's always been. But they're, but they're up there, like, to find out, it's like, how will space affect this? How will space affect uh-huh. this? There's more to explore, but we can't feasibly explore it. Not yet. Yeah. Not because we don't have any space whales. <laughs> you laugh. Um. Okay. Sandra Bullock gets into the ISS, and oh, that shot when she's in the ISS where she finally takes off her um, she finally takes off her space shoot, sp- space suit for the first time, mm-hmm. and she floats in a fetal position, and you're really. She's Ugh. in front of the circular hatch, and she looks like she's in the womb. Mm-hmm. It's so incredible because she's, in a way, it is a rebirth because she's kind. You know, she's just lost her only companion. She's got to manage herself and get through things herself. And but there's a fire on the ISS. That was also heartbreaking. Oh. It's like you think you're good. You think you you can like stall here for a little bit. Yeah, because. The plan was to take the Soyuz to the Chinese station, take the Chinese rocket down to Earth. So now she's got to uh, beat it. She's got to beat <laughs> Or the... she's going to explode. Mm-hmm. She's got to beat the fire, and she's got to try and get onto the Soyuz and figure out a way to get it to the Chinese station. But everything is in Russian, so... So she just reads in Russian. She has to, she has to she by trial her and audio error, essentially figure it out. <laughs> Yeah, she just starts pushing buttons, right? Mm-hmm. She's like, this she's one able to eject- is this one on my ship. She's able to eject from the spaceship, but she's not able to figure out how she can get to the Chinese Ooh, station. that brings up a good point. We really should be, like, universally being like, hey, this is where we put this button on this spaceship. Which is, uh, which is kind of what they ended up... T- doing um a little bit because there there were there were procedures there were procedures in english i'm pretty sure because of the iss but you know no russian well i mean that's why she was able to operate the uh, chinese rocket is the same as the russian rocket because it's the same thing it was the same thing and built the same way um she uh is ready to give up actually ready to just let her oxygen go out there's a scene where she is able to contact a um an Inuit. Oh yeah, that um, was. W- 
Yeah. That was really cool. The communication back to Earth. Yeah. She's she's using the FM transmitter and she's able to pick up someone on a ham radio. An Inuit in uh, Greenland. There's actually a companion piece on the DVD that we watched a few years ago that was entirely by Jonas Quorum. What are you doing? I was trying to figure out whether spaceship buttons were standardized, but it's no. not. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> um, and that, and she hears, you know, she hears his dog's howling in the background and she she starts howling with the dogs and then she hears the baby and she starts i think i think in this one what is it with movies about women in space and having lost children nothing to live for that's all we're good for making babies oh that is there's a little bit of sexism coming in (laughs) and i've also heard another critic argue that there's some sexism in this film because of the next scene which is when she's about to have given up and she's at low oxygen and she who should come to the door to the airlock but Clooney now I don't really feel like that part specifically was sexist because he was her guide and he was the one like helping her through the space mission that doesn't really come off and, to me. and the point of it is he he isn't the one who made her do this Right. That was a hallucination. That if was I was going to have a dream sequence, like it's probably going to be the person instructing me in the first place. And also, it was nice to see Clooney with the helmet off. Yeah. Clooney... No helmet hair, if you're wondering. Clooney did a really good job with that sequence, too. Like, all the acting in this, it's very intimate and very naturalistic in a way. Even Even the very obviously scripted stuff feels natural, and Clooney did a good job of making it feel natural, mm-hmm. I think. So, Clooney, uh, hallucination Clooney reminds <laughs> Sandra Bullock that landing is lifting so that she can use the landing jets for the Soyuz to get to the Chinese station to get to their capsule to get back to Earth. Ugh, I'm exhausted just thinking about it. Yes. Um, and she turns around and he's gone and she realizes, oh, this was a hallucination. This was my subconscious and is able to figure out how to get the Soyuz headed, di- directed towards the Chinese station. But if you're watching it for the first time, when he comes up to a window, you're like, maybe he had another jetpack. Maybe there's, maybe they maybe fixed he, it. Maybe he happened to coincide with her orbit because mm-hmm. it wouldn't have been the weirdest thing that had happened so far, you know. <laughs> but you know, when you when she doesn't die instantly from the rapid decompression when he opens the yeah, airlock, you kind of know that was that a giveaway. And I was like, no, because I was like, what? He's back? What? The first time I watched it, I do like that touch because it's like. That's how people figure out whether they're in a dream or not. If they're having, like, what is it, like, paralysis? Like, sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis? Yeah. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Like, like fixate on things that are not normally in the real world? Yeah, exactly. Inception. <laughs> or, like, uh, what was it? Houdini and Doyle? <gasps> uh, what, Houdini, why would you Houdini do that? To, when he was like, if I'm able to read, I'm in the real why world. Why would you remind me of Houdini and Doyle? I'm so sorry. That's so mean of you. <laughs> Every TV show I like gets canceled. This is accurate. Like. Everyone. Pretty much every, every single, single one. one. Well, I guess in that way, all TV shows eventually get canceled. Yes. So Some I guess that's not an original get revived. statement. Some of them get revived. And, you know, we see a fourth season of Veronica Mars. It's cool. I, I just got lucky enough to get you into it right in time for it. <laughs> I know. That was weird. Well, I mean. To be fair, the season had already premiered by the time I got you to start watching it. <laughs> yeah, but... Boy, well, we that was a, good. You were in a binging mood. Um, Let's okay. guess the Chinese station. The Chinese station is falling apart 
because it is losing orbit because it's been struck by its debris so many times. So it's starting to head towards Earth and starting to experience reentry. And debris is still constantly going towards it because the debris wave is just picking up and picking up and picking up. She gets to the Chinese station. The entire time, also, it's important to note that she's still making transmissions to Houston in the blind. Uh, because Clooney was doing that and she was like, they can't hear us. He's like, we don't know that. We just can't hear them. So the entire time she's still, it provides a nice little narrative structure so that you know exactly what she's thinking of and what she's doing as she goes. Mm-hmm. Because she's making... Yeah, you need a reason for her to talk to herself, not in her head. Exactly. Yeah. So... It's a good little device there. There's, this movie is literally... You can tell Coron just like sits there and thinks about space a lot. <laughs> or that he just sits there and thinks about how can I convey this story yeah. as best as possible without feeling like I'm jer- jolting you out of the narrative mm-hmm. at the same time, you know? And that's... This movie is so narratively tight. I love it. I can't think of any other movie that only has, like, three people in it. Or two people, really. Mm-hmm. Like, what other movie I mean, has that kind of structure? I a couple, but none that but none I that... know this well. Yeah. You know? um, they manage... Let's see. She manages to get into the Chinese version of the Soyuz, leaves the Chinese station, and heads straight to Earth... Transmitting the whole time during re-entry, she is lucky enough to land in a body of water. And then, I thought this sequence was really cool. She lands in the water, the capsule blows, but sinks sinks into the water, which is which has been a problem historically for uh, astronauts who have been landing. And um, underwater, it's almost like a little retelling of the movie because she has to escape from the capsule and she has to escape through the kelp and like that's holding on to her like the tether was holding on to George Clooney and you know it's almost like a, a lower stakes version because it's a low gravity environment underwater because the buoyancy uh. and as she finally makes it to earth makes it to dry land and you see the debris streaking in overhead and before she hit the hit the water NASA was able to transmit to her and you know realize her location so you know a rescue is coming so she makes it home she makes it well she makes it back to land and she survives yeah she like tries to stand up but like and doesn't quite it's like knocked down by mm-hmm. gravity yeah and it's oh <laughs> close loop <laughs> it's so good y'all let's go to the concession stand Hi, I'm Emily. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Steampunks, a podcast about badass women in the history of steam. Steam? So like, old trains and boats and stuff? No. Well, I mean, yes, but no. Steam stands for science, technology, engineering, arts, and math. Oh, like how Ada Lovelace was the first computer programmer, like, ever? Exactly. Awesome. I want to learn more about Steampunks. And you will. And so will anybody who tunes in every other Wednesday on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Join me and Emily on Steampunks every other Wednesday on the Pocket Podcast Network. And keep flying, you beautiful, majestic, steam-powered horses. Standout moments. Standout moments for you. Because I feel like I've talked a lot about it because we've given a summary of it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you kind of already covered them all. The tether, when he unlatches from the tether. Yes. The howling, which is like the ultimate, like... Because it's a human thing, like, even when you feel far apart from other humans, that you still feel connected to them. Absolutely. Like, even if you can't, like, visibly see them, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And howling along with the dog specifically, because the entire thing is, like, you know, they howl at the moon as well. So it's, like, a connection to Earth and space at the same mm-hmm. time. And 
a connection to instincts. This yeah. movie is a lot about that survival instinct. Oh, yeah. Because, like, the choice to give up would have been so easy to make. Oh, yeah. Like, the odds and the dedication that it takes to get to all the different... To get from one station to the next and to hope that they have spaceships and hope that they're able to get get you back to Earth. That's... Ugh. This movie is brutal. This movie, like... It knocks her down so many times. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Honestly, I'd forgotten about that plot point that she had, like, a dead kid. When do we brought it back up? Because it, it does kind of seem sneaked in there as, like, well, I guess she has to have, a, like, a heavy motivation to do this. But, I mean, would you really? I mean, if you like science that much and math or whatever, like, space is a pretty, like... Awesome place to go if you got the opportunity. I think it also meant to be kind of parallel because she died in an accident and, you know, here she is going through all these accidents up here, you know? It's like, we'll survive. Oh, yeah. Kind of like a nature, like, as a force. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Did you... Is there anything else you can think of? I mean, it's... It's good. It's good. Oh, oh, here's here's something we forgot about. She can't dock with the Tiangong, so she ejects herself from the Soyuz using a fire extinguisher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now that's ingenuity. Yeah, the, the stunts. There's some very wet stunts in this. Just very wild and frankly unrealistic stuff that happens in this movie. Yeah. But it's also like using space as a tool for ho- for horror. It's like because it's it's a thriller. I would I would agree. You'd say it's a I thriller. Would say it's a thriller. It's a it's a survival horror movie in a way to me. Oh, looking at this um this poster, she looks terrified. and It says, "Don't let go." Yeah. So I guess because she gets off structure, you it know. It doesn't completely. I don't know. I wouldn't put it in the thriller category, but I could see it, though. Gravity is a 2013 science fiction thriller film. I guess. But also, it's not even quite... It's As sci-fi goes, it's hard sci-fi. For sure, because it could happen. And may happen. Like, oh, Do you ever just think about just... Just how much... Do man-made... How many man-made objects are floating above us right now in orbit? Like, Earth could just become a debris cloud. Oh, no. And like, Let's not think about this. Oh, yes. Let's think about this. <sighs> oh, do you want me to quote Wiki right now? Yeah, quote I've read. So, apparently, this says, Coron told BBC that he sees a film, drama, film rather as a drama of a woman in space. According to him, the main theme of the film was adversity, and he uses the debris as a metaphor for this. What? That's completely different than what we've been saying. Well, the debris is kind of a metaphor for it. it. It is about adversity. It's about all the things that are placed in front of you that you have to get past to survive. Yeah, but we're thinking more of, like, the connection of, like, nature and humans. Hey, hey, huh. hey, hey. Can you interpret things differently than... Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, that's wild. No, oh, that's so wild. I didn't realize this. What? 
the voice of Mission Control was Ed Harris. Who's that? Um, the guy who was the voice of Mission Control in Apollo 13. The same... He was what? He was Houston. <laughs> oh, that's so wild. That's so crazy. Uh, this is a good movie. I think this is a very good movie. I, I can't think of anything particularly bad about this movie. Oh, no. What? Oh, no, that's a different person. <laughs> what are you talking about? They, I'm looking at all the other people they screen tested before, um... Sandy Before and, uh, what's his face? George Clooney. Well, who do they screen test? Who do they choose? Okay. okay. Others, well, Marianne Cotillard mm-hmm. but went on to do it. <laughs> but she didn't do this because she went on to Inception. Oh my god. Um, Angelina Jolie, I, which would have been horrible. <laughs> I can't imagine. No. Oh, I think she could have pulled it off, but I can't. Really imagine anybody else. Apparently others included Naomi Watts, Carrie Mulligan, ScarJo. Hmm. No, none of no. these would have been good. No. I don't I think Natalie Portman might have been able to Natalie pull it off. Natalie Portman could have pulled off that gravity But I think this is still the best. Mm-hmm. Like I I literally couldn't cast anyone else. Oh no. Robert Downey Jr. could have oh no. Scheduling conflicts with the TV series Gossip Girl in Manhattan and the acclaimed film The Town in Boston prevented actress Blake Lively from getting the part. Oh, that would have been bad, too. No, no, no. No, 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 no. no. I did, like, okay, no shade on Sandy, but, like, she's not, like, since she's, like, a little older, she's not, like, the most, like, she's not, she's never been glam. Like, I would have been so upset if it was one of these, like, classically pretty, like, glam stars like Blake Lively or like Carrie like I guess Scarjo's not classically pretty but she's still in that like I don't know they're in a different category to me where it's like Sandy I feel like she's also known for her like good acting not just her like looks which like same for George Clooney this makes me really wish that we had Children of Men on DVD though you know, it doesn't make me wish that. Why? It's such a good movie. Are you getting sick of Corona tracking shots? Isn't that the one that's super depressing, though? Uh, I would argue it ends on a... Isn't it like po- a post-apocalypse kind of deal? A little bit. The, the concept is that everyone in the world has stopped having children, yes. Oh, that sounds awesome. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I've, we've we seen should, this. We it's should not... also... I also wish that we had A Little Princess, which is one of his early movies. Wait. Yes, you heard me right. Wait. Yeah. I think we've been through this before. The one in the 90s? Yes. I used to love that movie. Exactly. Yeah, Liam Liam Cunningham as the dad, Sir Davos. Man, that poor girl, she had to go to boarding school and didn't know if her dad was... She didn't think her dad was alive. Anyway, this has been uh, <laughs> this has been home viewing. Really related to that one. It's uh, it's a movie podcast that we do when we got time. Hopefully, we're we going to get a little we're bit more scheduled. <laughs> August has been wild for both of it's us. Been a month. It has been yeah. It has been almost over a month since we watched Gravity. I think because we're recording this on the second day of September. I almost said December. It's not December yet. It's not mm, Christmas. It might be. <laughs> they were Christmas trees. 
There were Christmas trees where? Oh, at Belk's. When oh, I was there of course. <laughs> so it's, I was like, happy Christmas, Skylar. Mm-hmm. Would you not? I would rate this four and a half stars. Four and a half? Yeah, wow. Four and a half. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, just four on the nose. Gotcha. Uh, and yeah, stars is appropriate for this one. Because they're in space. Oh, we should have done whales. Nope. Whales have nothing to do with the movie. Wrong. Now everyone everyone between. Remember those whales in gravity? I hate this. I hate this so much. Remember the Pocket Podcast Network. Other great shows include Steampunk, Sorted, Ghoul Tank, Time Zones Are Hard. Thumbs the Facts, Avocado Toast. Do we get them all? Uh, simultaneous Cats should be starting back up soon. Oh, sure. yeah? Yeah. They do the footballs. They do the footballs. So, that's... Oh, uh... That's so lesbian. Let's see. Let's see. Can we get one more? Is there one more that I'm... Oh, no dice. Which oh, them's the facts. I guess we didn't say that one, did we? You said them's the facts. Oh. We? Yeah. So, a lot of good shows. You can check them all out at pocketpodcastnetwork.com. Uh, but, uh, until... Oh, our music is by The Organ Machines. That's our theme. Yeah. Music. Good boys. Go check them out. Good boys. Check them out. Spotify. Bandcamp. Spotify? Yeah, Spotify. They're on Spotify. But until next time, I'm John. And I'm Bethany. We don't have a closer yet. We need to get one. We're going to work on that. Don't put that in there. This is never how you knew it. Nobody was sad at that way but you. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket.